Hello and welcome to the Teach On Teach On podcast. I'm Katie, I'm your host, and this is a podcast especially for us teachers. I don't often talk much about teaching strategies and professional development stuff on this podcast. We kind of mainly focus on personal development, mindset, mental toughness, productivity tips and things. But I have been getting quite a few questions from teachers recently who are wanting help with behaviour management. And I want to help you as much as I can. So I'm going to address that on this topic and share some of my experience in the hope that it helps you. So a couple of things about behaviour management, first and foremost. As you know, if you've listened to my previous episodes, I talk a lot about my first teaching job. Episode one explains it all if you want to know more. And that's because that's what was without a doubt the biggest shock to my system and the fastest I've ever had to learn. To put it into context, I was a girl who had zero assertiveness and would literally feel sick when she had to speak in front of people. I knew nothing, and I mean zilch, about behaviour management. I think we can all agree that college and university doesn't really prepare us for this aspect. So when I was a young 22-year-old walking into an institution of rebel teens growing up in a world that I couldn't relate to, you can imagine how much of a shock that was for me. I had to learn hard and fast. All my energy went into behaviour management for the first few years of my career. I remember once I had designed this incredible lesson. I was so proud of it. I had props for groups. It was a freaking masterpiece. But the kids' behaviour ruined it. They were atrocious. They were so disrespectful to me and the props that I'd brought in from my home. I was devastated. I even had a senior leader, or admin, what you call them, walking through my room and he didn't do anything to help or support me and I later learned he said to my boss, I had to just learn to deal with it. Harsh but true and so I had a choice at that point. I could run, run away, run to another school that had better behaved kids or flee from teaching altogether. Except teaching was all I ever wanted to do. It is what I had spent four years at university training to do and there was no way I was giving it up for these little buggers. <laughs> and so I stayed. And that meant that behaviour was my focus for years. Forget the amazing lessons. I had to scrap all that. As my boss rightly said to me, what's the point in having an amazing lesson if they aren't behaving to learn from it? And it's sad, but it's true. So I swatted up on all things behaviour management. I spent years, I read everything I could get my hands on, I asked for advice, I went to watch others teach. It was my focus and obsession for years. I made lots of mistakes along the way. Don't try and block a door when a kid is determined to get out because they'll barge you right into the doorframe if they have to. Yes, that happened to me. (laughs) In fact, there are so many traumatic experiences. I have actually blocked them out now. That's kind of my coping mechanism with life. I tend to try and focus on the good and I kind of just block anything out that doesn't serve me. But I'm sure if I asked my friends some of the horror stories I told them, then they'd remember. But I personally have only got a couple that really stick out at this point. However, after years and years of trial and error and frustrations in realising that techniques won't always work consistently... That's annoying. Each child will probably react differently to different sanctions and perhaps the same child might respond differently to the same sanctions on different dates. It's just like there is no one way to do it because we're dealing with people and people are not consistent. So 
Nonetheless, I do have a selection of key points that I believe in regarding behavior management and what I've learned. And here they are. To me, behavior management is best when you play the long game and that is through building relationships. I noticed that my behavior management improved as the years went on, not because necessarily my skills were great. I think it's because I was building relationships. My students recognized that I wasn't leaving them and that I really cared about them. And in my experience, they're much more likely to comply with your requests when you have that bond. Now, I have loads of ways of forming bonds with students. I think that's something that's a real strength of mine. So if you want to learn more about that, send me a message and let me know. But the beauty of the bond is you can start to leverage things like disappointment, which is a much more powerful tool than anger or intimidation ever could be. When students know and like you and you express how hurt you are that they didn't do their homework, they hate knowing that they've let you down. And it's much more effective than just setting detentions that they probably won't even bother showing up for, you know? Speaking of detentions, sanctions are really important. I think students really need them. It's a form of security that they know if this happens, then that will happen. It's your duty to be consistent. You're not doing them any favors by letting them off the hook this time because they apologize to you. No, that's not how the world works. If they're doing that and you're letting them, they're learning how they can manipulate you. I once remember when I was adding minutes to a lesson for some students because they kept talking over me. It reached like like 10 minutes or something and they didn't like that. And so they said to me, so miss, uh, if we're good for the next 10 minutes, can we earn the minutes back? Does that sound familiar? Ever heard that before? Well, no, I don't agree to those terms because I put it in real word context for them. I say, okay, so if someone steals from you and the judge gives them a sentence in prison, a punishment, if you will, for stealing from you, would you be okay with the thief saying, oh, well, if I give the stuff back, will you let me go? And the judge says, yeah, sure, no problem. Uh, no, <laughs> do the crime, do the time. It's a consequence. It's something that should happen every time. And you'll find that after a few tries, they quickly get the message and they're much more careful in the future about the decisions they make. And you get more of them doing the right thing. But it's your duty to be firm and consistent. They will hate it at first. Yes, they will bitch, they'll moan, they'll try and intimidate you and gang up on you and manipulate you as a class. Yes, I've had that happen to me. But you must stay firm. They are testing you to see whether you are going to be that security for them. They need you to be secure and to say what you mean and mean what you say. And they'll push and push and try and see if you're as strong as they need you to be. And suddenly, when you look at it that way, you're actually doing them a really big favor. And you're showing them that you can trust me. I'm reliable. I'm going to look after you. I've got your best interests at heart. I'm not going to let you off the hook because I care about you. And like all kids, they don't really understand it at the time. They just need it and they don't know why they need it. But you can be still firm in a loving way by explaining, look, it was your choice to misbehave. You knew the consequence, but you chose to do it anyway. Like, what do you want from me? You did it. I told you what would happen and you did it anyway. You know, hopefully next time you can make a better choice. It's not a punishment. It's a consequence. Oh, and in the spirit of fairness, I believe you should explain the consequences beforehand. Don't just, I think I did this once in my early days. Don't just 
make up a sanction in response to behavior you don't like. So if they just suddenly do something and you kind of go, oh my God, this is going to happen now. And they're like, whoa, where'd that come from? That can also make them feel uneasy. It's not helpful. So a simple, if you shout out again, you're going to be moved is all it takes. And then they can't be surprised when they're actually moved the next time they shout out, you know? It's like, well, why are you surprised? I told you that would happen and it happened. And they kind of just sort of go, oh yeah, fair enough after a while because you're showing them that you meant what you said and they need that. Another point to note is I believe, and I might be alone in this, but I believe the severity of the sanction is not as important as the certainty of it. I'll say that again. The severity of the sanction is not as important as the certainty of it. So obviously in a court of law, we match the time to the crime, right? But I've found that actually a five minute detention is often just as effective as a one hour one. I know it's surprising, isn't it? And that might not be your experience or maybe you haven't tried it like that, but it was something I tested out over the years and I found it works. Just the fact that there is a sanction is what is effective, not necessarily the severity of it. So try it out too and see how you go. And actually you'll probably save yourself hours of having to sit with kids who do your head in all day. (laughs) Just five minutes extra can actually make a big difference. And finally, another tip is to use the choice card as much as possible. No one really likes being dictated to, do they? And especially if you're working with teenagers like I do, it really rubs them up the wrong way being told what to do. But by offering two choices, you can help your students feel like they're the ones in control when they're not really. (laughs) And it helps them not lose face. And that's the biggest thing. Losing face was a huge problem for me as many of my kids were looked up to by their peers and so they couldn't be seen backing down to a teacher and they were rebellious and defiant when you approached them that way. But as soon as I used the choice tactic, the game changed. So say a student won't stop talking to the person next to them. You can say, look, you have a choice. Either you stop talking to them or you can choose to go and sit in that seat over there instead where there's less temptation for you to get in trouble. And that shows that A, you're looking out for them by not wanting them to get in trouble and B, it gives them a way out. Nine out of 10 times when I use that strategy, the kid will actually choose to move. It's crazy, isn't it? Like I said, it depends on the school you're in on many factors, but that's an option, something that you can keep in your arsenal if a student is kind of one who doesn't want to lose face in front of his or her peers. And then they are making the choice, but the ones that they've picked from are two that you approve of. So you're kind of in control, but they don't lose face basically is the bottom line there. I'm sure I've got loads more I can say on this topic. As I said, it has been a journey and a half for me. I'm still not perfect at it. And I don't think I ever will be because things change so frequently. I don't know about you, but I feel like kids five years ago are different to how they are now. It's weird. Perhaps it's culture shifts or I don't know, but kids keep you on your toes and you will always be trying out new strategies to manage behavior. So I hope that's helped so far. And if you do want me to go any deeper into this topic or talk about how to build bonds with students as that to me is still and always will be number one key to behavior management, then do ask. As always, you can find the links to everything mentioned in this episode by going to teachersresourceforce.com forward slash podcast forward slash 134, including information on where you can get in touch with me as well. 
If you found value in this podcast, please share it with a teacher friend and leave a review on iTunes so that it can be found by more teachers. Teach on and teach strong, guys, and I'll catch you next time. Bye.